0: Guys, welcome back to the Trailblazer's Journey podcast and to a brand new season. I'm your host, Saima Majid, well-being and transformational life coach, speaker and mental health advocate. It's so exciting to be back. So, I gave a lot of thought to what I wanted from this season. And after the year we all had last year, And if you're listening to this in years or months or even weeks to come, I'm referring to the global pandemic that we've known as the coronavirus. So I wanted this season to be about hope, beauty and deep creativity. Last year was about adapting, pivoting, reacting to the state of the world. And so this year I felt strongly that I wanted things to be a bit slower Therefore, creating a season of episodes which I feel need to be enjoyed over a nice cup of masala tea or whatever your drink of choice is and savoured with your full attention. I've gathered the most dynamic group of trailblazers from across the globe and will be covering all sorts of interesting topics including the stigma around dressing sexily as a woman, growing a business amidst a pandemic outside of your normal day job, Using your own voice as a healing modality, content creation and whether the rate at which we are creating and consuming is sustainable, and the future of fashion and the fashion industry, and there is so much more. Of course, entrepreneurship, spirituality and well-being always lie at the heart of this podcast in order to support all of you trailblazers out there. So, before I introduce my first guest, who I'm so excited about, there's another really exciting announcement I have to make, and that is the launch of my 10 days of meditation course. In a world that asks so much of us, it is only when we sit quietly, in stillness and in solitude, that we can find out who we are, what we need and what we want from life. Meditation is the key to unlocking your inner peace, your truth, and maybe even your purpose. Sometimes life can feel overwhelming, as if we're carrying the weight of the world on our shoulders, as though everyone demands something from us. If you do not hold space for yourself to nurture your well-being, the thinking mind can become overwhelming and take control. So, over the course of the 10 day meditation journey, you will be traveling within, cultivating balance and inner peace. I will also be taking you on some enriching expeditions, which may unfold some inner truths for you. I believe deeply in the power of inner work and personal growth, allowing yourself space and time for self inquiry. So, instead of just existing, you have a life that's in alignment with your deepest desires. So whether you're a beginner or a seasoned meditator, it doesn't matter. If you meditate for just 10 days, you will feel the benefits in your life. So you can access the course by going to www.simonmagid.uk and to celebrate the launch, there's a cheeky introductory price for the month of March. So go and get yourself signed up. And of course, if you'd like some more tailored one to one support with your goals or to work through your life challenges, then reach out to me at infosimonmagid.uk. Now, let me introduce my first guest. So, this is a woman I've admired for over 10 years, a woman who has built an empire doing what she loves a woman who has really honed her craft and not taken any shortcuts while doing so. The woman I am referring to is professional, world-class, world-renowned belly dancer and dance teacher and founder of online world dance platform Racks Online. It is Sadie Marquat. Here's some of the juicy topics we're going to cover. Body confidence and self-love Honing your skill over years and years in order to become an expert and a voice. Quashing the starving artist mindset and failure and how to move forward from it. For someone who I see as a master in their art, I felt absolutely no ego from Sadie. And this was probably one of the most beautiful takeaways from this episode. So without further ado, let's begin, shall we?
1: I am a professional dancer and instructor I have been teaching and performing the incredible beautiful art of rock sharky also known as belly dancing in English and um, just been such an amazing journey as a dancer I have now been dancing for well more than half of my life.
0: Wow amazing amazing yeah so for me you are one of the greatest dancers in my in my lifetime uh and I've followed and I think actually I was sharing this with a friend the other day there's something very um golden age of belly dance about you like I I have this obsession with like uh 50s Hollywood 50s like anything 50s or like 20s that kind of glamour and when I watch you dance that's what I feel there's like this real classic classiness about you and it just it just takes me back like to 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 another another time but I like I said I followed your journey for the last 10 years and you know watching you on YouTube even dancing while heavily pregnant um what does the dance mean to you?
1: You know, the funny thing about that. Well, thank you so much for all your sweet compliments. Um, You know, people ask me that a lot. What does dancing mean to me? And I have to be honest by saying that I'm still discovering that actually. Um, As I've been practicing it now for 25 years, specifically rock sharky. um, I'm discovering what it means to me or what it does for me all the time. Still new revealings of Uh, what dance has offered me and continues to offer me. But I think at the deepest level, it's it's like kind of when we think of our journey through life, you know, how do we want to color? How do we want to add atmosphere? It's like how we decorate our home. You know what I mean? Very few people are just going to have a live with a box with walls. We're going to decorate a home. And so for me, dance is how I've decorated my life. It's just really (laughs) incredible. it's like, it's been the longest commitment I've had to anything. And I I have to, it's almost like you have to keep discovering things about yourself to keep engaging with something, right? I Mm. mean, any type of thing that we, whether it's a relationship with another person or an educational a career path and we have to continue to educate ourselves right we have to continue to grow yes. so i just continue to discover new things so i think for me it's discovery really i think that right now would be the word that really resonates the most with me that after 25 years i'm still discovering not only things about myself but things about the dance you know historically and culturally and that just blow my mind, that I'm just like, wow, how could I be a quarter of a century into an art form and I'm still learning still so learning.
0: much about it. That's okay. incredible, and that's incredible, that's- but that's how rich and deep it is. So yeah. why belly dance specifically, as opposed to any other genre?
1: Well, It's just like, it's just keeps fascinating me. So Mm -hmm. I have studied other dance forms, um, nowhere near as deeply as I have studied rock sharky. But uh, actually, my first, the first dance that I really wanted to learn was salsa. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: Um, And I kind of was really into salsa at the same time that I was really into my beginnings with uh, rock sharky belly dancing. And I don't know. I mean, just because, uh, you can practice it alone and there's such a process of discovering your own movements and how your body moves that I think that process was always super accessible to me. Mm -hmm. Um, no matter what was going on in my life, or if I had a partner or not to dance with, I could still practice, um, belly dance and, then when I became a teacher, it was that community aspect of dancing with others and sharing this yeah. journey and process with other, mostly women. Sometimes men would be there too dancing, but that community feel to me was always something that kept me coming back, whether it was when I was a student in classes or when I was a teacher offering classes. Um and again it's the discovery. I just keep, you know, I'm a person who can get pretty bored with things pretty easy. Right? Uh, or I can lose interest, I should say. I uh there's many things I have done that I've lost interest in and for some reason and it's really fascinating to me that I never really fully lost interest in this dance.
0: That's amazing. Mm-hmm. 25 years. Yeah. It's, it, I think it has an addictive quality. <laughs> I think a lot of women they get almost addicted to it because I think it gives you something that you you can't explain. But we'll talk about we'll talk about that anyway. But yeah, yeah. I do. I do think you can get a little bit kind of like you fall in love with it and it just becomes like a lifelong companion. <laughs> you know,
1: exactly like I said, it's the longest <laughs> yeah. standing relationship I've ever had in twenty five years. Yeah. yeah
0: powerful that is so powerful but so can you talk us through a little bit about like your dance history you know where did it all start so it started for me here in the United
1: States in Colorado um and I still try to go back into whatever mind frame I was in when I was around 18 years old that yeah. really just sort of got me so ripe and curious for this experience um and, but long story short is I was in my car and I was driving and my teacher had, I know this is so funny to hear. People are going to really understand. I'm going to feel really old when I say this, but she had an advertisement on the radio Yes. where her belly, she had a company that <laughs> called Bellygrams. So if you've ever heard of a singing telegram,
0: right. she
1: used to do that. But with belly dancing so she called them belly grams and um, it was unicorn belly dance belly grams and and I just like I literally pulled the car over and I'm like what did I just hear did I just imagine that like what in the world wild thing did I just hear yeah and basically the only word I pulled out of it was belly dance belly dance (laughs) and the whole rest of the time I was in the car I was like belly dance like where is that even from? And I just started thinking about ah. all these things. So I went home and I literally opened up, here's where it really gets crazy. The phone book. Right. <laughs> this was I can really- relate.
0: I can relate. Yeah. yeah this is like
1: 1996. So yeah. I pulled out the phone book and I looked, I, I looked for dance classes and it went alphabetically, you know, and I found belly dancing and I found her class. Um, and it was belly dance concepts was the name of the company that she taught classes nice. under and i called her and she sent me her brochure in the in the <laughs> mail in the snail mail and i actually called up every belly dance teacher that was in the phone book
0: wow cuz
1: i was like i'm doing this i am going to get to the bottom of what this is all about what the heck is this belly dancing in colorado are you kidding me and I did. I started taking classes with pretty much every local teacher at that time. And Right. Um, it, yeah, when I went into my first teacher, her name was Joy Nan. Um, and I just talked to her the other day. I said hello to her. Uh, I went, it was in her home in her basement and I walked down the stairs and she had her whole basement set up with the costumes and posters of, you know, wow. as you mentioned, the yeah. golden era dancers from Egyptian cinema, as well as some of the really oh, famous no dancers like Beata and Horacio and Suhaila Salampour and mm-hmm. and you know dancers that in the '80s and '90s were really famous as yes. well you just had coin belts everywhere and the music was going and there was mirrors and colors. And it just was like this magical world that I was like, this is what I've been looking for my whole life. I've been looking for (laughs) something like this. I found it.
0: (laughs) Wow. See, I can, I can visualize it in my own mind. I can visualize it. And you can imagine like as an 18 year old going into that going, wow, this is absolutely amazing. Um, so, um, Tell me about Colorado. so did you say denver where is it Colorado that denver, you're from? Yeah. denver um so how did belly dance arrive? so how did because I think in America it's it's been there quite a long time. I think America's had a longer history with belly dance maybe than the u k has
1: surprisingly there Colorado had a lot of classes and still does, so we have a lot of right. Uh, people here in Colorado that we have a strong community.
0: So what uh, would these people have gone to Egypt or how would they have like got into it? Like your teachers?
1: Well, okay. So to go back to your original question that yes, belly dancing has been here in the United States since the 1800s actually. And many oh. people know of the Chicago World Fair, which I think was 1893. Um, that was kind of our first big um publication of it or presentation of it but it was Hmm. actually here before that right I don't off the top of my head I don't know all the details one of my dance colleagues and friends did her whole thesis around that and I think she found some writings and indications of belly dancing here and I I don't want to say this wrong but it was like the mid 1800s so it's been here for a while wow yeah um and definitely we had a huge boom of it here in the 50s on the east coast and the west coast um and that's where we had some changing of styles especially on the west coast but the east coast was definitely like a hub for dancers coming from the mediterranean and the middle east and north africa right you know there's a whole history of nightclubs you know for Greek and Armenian and Turkish and Egyptian and Syrian and Lebanese and Moroccan and um, you know so there's a pretty fascinating history around that and this kind of influx of teachers coming over and teaching and musicians and then as well as dancers going over to source and then coming back so a lot Mm -hmm. of cool stories that you can dive into around that so yes my personal journey with my teachers um there was a nightclub here called kyber pass that kind of pillar around um setting up this whole uh situation for dancers to, to perform and we had also there was an egyptian woman living here that i know some of my tv with i unfortunately don't know her name off the top of my head but many of them studied with her yeah but there was like in the in the 80s there was a really popular what a lot of us know now is this workshop circuit where you would bring dancers in from other countries or other states Uh, and um set up the kind of traditional workshop slash show experience that we still sort of did pre-covid um so yeah there was a lot of travel and my teacher Joanne, she had unicorn belly dance supplies so she was a vendor at so many of these different belly dance events around the country that she would be exposed to a lot of really incredible teachers from the middle east wow. from wow. egypt from lebanon um from europe bert Balladine, you know people like this that were coming over quite often from germany uh, Beata and Horacio, of course, several Egyptians. So she really was exposed to a lot and she was my most influential teacher. And she did teach me a little bit of everything. So she taught me, you know, some of the Turkish styles and Mm. the Egyptian styles and um, what we refer to here as American cabaret style, which is sort of a mishmash of a lot of these different types of um, genres that come together and there's a whole history on how that developed and why. Uh, Another one of my influential teachers, Eva Chernik, she she also is a very well-rounded dancer. She's traveled to Egypt dozens of times. She's been to Turkey, I think, like 30 times. She's done Turkish tours and Egyptian tours, and I went with her on a tour to Turkey the first time, and I also studied with her. So I feel very fortunate that I had a lot of great influential teachers who were very connected to the source of the dancing
0: so how long did it take you to get from student to kind of you know to like get to big stages
1: um well the funny thing about it is I was never planning on doing that I I was quite shy and um just enjoying my journey as a student but it took I would say about I would say like eight years.
0: Wow. Wow.
1: I mean, I was performing before that in the nightclub, the restaurants here locally, but very low key because I was always very shy. Yeah. And then um, I went to Turkey for the first time in 2003. And I was so inspired by the performing artists there that that was really the moment that I said, I want to do this like that.
0: Right. Okay. And so what, Sadie, were you from 18 while you were belly dancing did you like at what point did you think this is going to be my life
1: well like I said not until I really went to Turkey I was kind of just dabbling around, and and it was fun so let's see I mean I started belly dancing in 96 and I went to Turkey in 2003 so what was that's about seven years
0: right okay
1: seven years in yeah, I was about 25 and I was in Turkey and that's, and I just saw some of these Turkish performers at the time that were just so unbelievable and it all clicked. It started clicking, you know, we were there, yeah. um, in Turkey, learning this incredible history and music and dancing everywhere. And we studied, oh. um, you know, we took classes with the Roma, with the Romani dancers. Mm. And it just, at the time I, it was so overwhelming that, I, you know, I just think I was so overwhelmed and immersed in so many things. It was so inspiring. And then yes. we go to the nightclubs. Um, there was one really famous nightclub called the Orient House and another one called the Gar. <laughs>
0: Excuse me. Yep. Bless Sorry. <laughs> and we went
1: into those nightclubs almost nightly, actually, just to see the different lineup of dancers and the shows. They all had a full orchestra, especially at the Orient House, oh. they had a full orchestra, and they would do a huge show, a huge production. And they were just so amazing. And it was the first time that I saw it like that with this incredible orchestra behind them. And the dancer was just so on her game, so professional from the costumes to the way that she would uh, organize her set with the different types of dance and interacting with the audience. Mm. And of course I had seen bits and pieces of that here in the United States but nothing on that level. And it was just so inspiring to me that I was like, oh my gosh, like it was that aha moment for me where I'm like, I want to do this. I want to do that. And I did. And I came home and I took it very serious. And I started going around to all the different um, national events that I could, mainly in California and signing up for their open stage and taking the workshops with different teachers, really well-known teachers at that time. And that was kind of the beginning of me really being proactive about trying to reach a higher level with it.
0: Amazing, amazing. So I'm going to go back a little bit, and I want to talk about the origins of belly dance. So what what do you know about kind of the origins? Where did this dance start? How did it start?
1: Well, um, the truth is is we 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 only know back to a certain point, and yeah. then when we kind of start to speculate past or earlier than that. We don't have really evidence to support it, but um, there's a lot lot of cool theories out there. But I I think um, I always start with Egypt because Egypt has probably been the most influential on what we refer to as belly dance today in the last Mm -hmm. hundred years anyway, um, with the Egyptian cinema and the dancers, the famous golden era dancers. The way that I kind of explain it to people is that if we can imagine the impact that um, YouTube and Instagram and Facebook has had on anything today in terms of getting it to the forefront. um, It was Egypt who did that, did that with belly dancing for the first time through their movies. Right. So all of their prominent movies and musicals had dancers in them. Yeah. And yeah. That was the first moment that I think it went really global because when people would see those movies, it was like, wow, what is that woman doing? That is so incredible. I've never seen anything like that. So, in fact, many of the grandmothers of belly dance here in the United States were deeply inspired by those golden era dancers from Egypt, and even our proclaimed self taught dancers learning off of watching those movies with Samia Jamal and, and, um, you know, Suhaila Salampour, in her own interviews, in her own words, she taught herself how to dance by watching those movies. And she was a founding mother here in the United States. Um, Now, once you kind of go to that scope, which would say be Egypt in the 1930s, we do have historical records and evidence of um, this dance known as Rock Sharky in Egypt, even in the 1800s and the 1700s. And there's right. a couple of different books written about that, mostly off the accounts of the, the French military. Okay. So we're getting into the territory of Orientalism and, and how um, the culture, Arab culture, and Arab people were viewed through that orientalist lens, especially the colonizers, the French colonizers, so it is problematic to look only at sources like these books written by French people when they went into places like Egypt. But honestly, it's one of the only historical records we have and so there's a couple really great books written where the author did a pretty good job of trying to dissect out all of that and just give the factual accounts of what was happening in Egypt with this dance that we refer to oh, as belly yeah. dance through the Gawazi, through the Iwalim. Um, super fascinating stuff. Now, then you can start to get into Persia and the Ottoman Empire and dancing. And, you know, if you go to Turkey, I I have a little bit of experience with the Turkish history because um, my teacher and traveling there as well, but it seems like a pretty strong crossover in a lot of ways of what was referred to as the Awalim in um, Egypt with what were known as the Shangis in Turkey in the Ottoman Empire. Um, that seems like a very similar scenario, and I haven't done enough research on my own to to say that that's definitely we're the same people, but it seems like a very similar scenario, um, almost identical scenario, just obviously different, you know, O'Wallam and Shengi's different um, language applied mm. to describe that scenario of dancing, performative dancing
0: is that is that so that's when it became more performative um i mean things that i've read and i i, I can't claim that i've uh, you know i my <laughs> sources are like accurate or you know I'm, I'm very well versed in it but you know i i've read that women originally women were dancing for each other um and childbirth i've heard quite a lot features in it like to age childbirth have you heard those theories
1: I've heard those as well. Um, the childbirth one, I remember um, looking into that a little bit and not really finding anything coming up that was factual around that. Um, and and again, my friend um, who, she studied that for part of her thesis and she said she came up with dead ends. So it's mostly yeah. like, anecdotal storytelling right not to say that it's not true not to say that it because i have my own personal birth story to where uh my doctor literally said to me he didn't know that i was a dancer or a belly dancer yeah. he literally said to me i wish all of my mothers coming in to give birth had the kind of awareness that you have this is amazing and then after the fact i told him i was a dancer but so, I mean, that's my own personal anecdotal story that my dancing seemed to have some um, impact on helping me be able to be aware and what muscles to push and stuff when I was in labor.
0: Uh, right. um,
1: but I haven't been able to find, like I have no. asked some of my Egyptian and Arabic friends that question, like, hey, is it, did you ever learn this growing up that this was good for you to have babies? And, you know, is this a good way to, and all of them have just kind of thought that was silly. And they're like, no, I never really heard that, but I don't know, maybe further back. It's true. I mean, I certainly don't find it to be a far stretch at all to imagine that this could have been a tool used by women to help their daughters and their granddaughters prepare all kinds of things, including childbirth. Right. Yeah. We just don't have written historical evidence of that. Uh, there's one book called Grandmother's Secrets, and I think she talked about that a little bit in there. However, it's been 20 years since I read the book, so. Yeah. Um, yeah, so that's, again, where we're getting back. You know, in what history is written by men, right? History is read by the col- uh, written by the colonizer, written by the, the yeah. religious uh, figures, written by men. So there's so much missing history.
0: Um, this is why I've got these romantic kind of visions of it. You know, it was for women and it empowered women, like before the men got in. Like I was just that's I think that's why I want to believe that that's what that's what it was before it became kind of mainstream.
1: <laughs> well, and I think a lot of us do. I mean, myself included, I certainly went through a, a long period of kind of having my own fantasies and ideas because of that connection, like you said. I think when we're engaged in the dance and we're doing it, and we're also practicing it with others, there's such a power. Yes. There's such an incredible energy, even on the individual level when you're practicing it. The benefits that you feel, uh, the happiness you feel, the the healing that seems to take place yes. a lot of days when we are dancing, and then when you amplify that by the community energy, it it's kind of hard to not get excited about that and be like, what's going on here? There's something really powerful and big happening here. Yes. And we want to know that deeper and we want to understand that deeper. Um, Is it exclusive to belly dancing? I don't think so. I think people feel that in other types of communities too, whether it be spiritual or yoga or running, you know, I have a friend who loves running and you know, for him, that's the thing that saved his life, you know. So I think just sometimes when we're getting really involved in something that has benefits to us, we we feel that. But even all that aside, I still think there's something very special about <laughs> and belly dancing and, Me too. Of, and 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 you know, of course, I have a lot of fantasies in my head too, but I think <laughs> I think now I'm getting to a place of maturity in my life and in my dance practice where I also don't want to like make stuff up and especially being a, a foreigner, you know, I'm not from the culture so I have to be super careful about anything that I would share or say as my opinion. I'd rather leave that to people from the culture to fill in mm. those gaps for us about what this dance might historically mean for women. Yeah. Um because they have that cultural context and that cultural lineage that I don't have.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I completely I completely get that. So, you know, we're talking about empowerment and a dance which has empowered so many women over the years, but it still scares So many women too. So can you talk a little bit about that? Like, you know, what's your experience been?
1: Yeah, I mean, it's interesting, because I see it shifting and changing almost to the opposite of that now, with the Instagram culture, and you see this almost, um, I guess what it is, is it's extremes, right? So on Mm. one extreme, we see people who we, we encounter people who are very threatened by the idea of a woman who would be, have the audacity to go on a stage in a two piece costume yeah. and move around and dance around for what they probably consider to be the male gaze or the mm-hmm. gaze of the public, right. Um, when in fact, most dancers that I know they're not ever going up there to seduce or entice anybody other than to express themselves as an artist of course we do love dancing for other people. We love performing for other people. So, you know, you can't completely deny that, but it's not like, oh, I'm coming out here to tantalize and (laughs) that seems to be the idea, right? That's That that extreme. Yeah. I've seen that, you know, dancing in the restaurants for years that I did almost a decade. I learned very quickly to read the audience and to steer Mm. very, very clear Of people who felt uncomfortable by my presence. I would just completely ignore them. Uh, Okay. And really focus on the people who seemed to be excited by my presence and being there. But that to be said is that I encountered a lot of women who would be immediately threatened by me being Mm in that space. And, you know, it was like I could tell they were getting very uncomfortable. Like maybe they thought their husband or their boyfriend was going to be looking at me, and that made Mm -hmm. them feel insecure. So I would just move away and not to put it all on, on the women, because sometimes then you would have the man who was just complete idiot and put the dollar bill in his mouth or something and think that you were an exotic dancer taking your clothes off. And I'm like, you know, I would ignore that person too. Cause it's like wrong show, buddy. I don't know what you think <laughs> is happening here, but that's not it. Um, you know, and then here's the interesting thing though. Do you know who always loved my show? Always was just in complete awe of my show and never just pure innocence and pure joy was children.
0: Children, I was, yeah, yeah, I can imagine.
1: I never once had a kid under the age of 10. You know, sometimes prepubescent boys would start to get a little bit weird about it. <laughs> yeah. it getting into that new territory, I guess, of, you know. But always children under the age of 10, whether it was boys or girls, never once was there a weird uh, thought in their mind about I was doing something inappropriate? They just thought it was the coolest thing. They were looking at the sparkles in the costume, and wow, yeah. how do you do that thing with your belly? And oh my gosh, that's so cool! And look, I yeah. can do it. I always use that as an indication that what I was doing was was good because you know kids never felt threatened by it. They never thought it was awkward. They never thought it was inappropriate. Um, that's our human adult programming that yes. tells those stories
0: absolutely so the children just saw the joy they just saw yeah. the joy in it
1: yeah that's they just really energetically, really and now being a mom I get it you know kids just energetically tap into things and um it was fun it was festive it was joyful they picked up on that and they're like yay somebody's here to yes. get these... the kids were like somebody's here to get these boring adults to get the party started yay <laughs> <laughs>
0: Absolutely. Well, I heard. Yeah, so, I, heard uh, I heard there's a dancer, a kathak dancer from the UK. He's really big, but he said that dance is an innate part of us. But modern society kind of shakes it out of us. And I, I totally agree. Like it's it's part of our primal kind of desire to dance. Is just part of who we are as human beings. But I think, I think if people just could let go of that conditioning, I'm sure men, women would just. Go for it, you know. I'm sure they would, but it's just that kind of, like you say, that conditioning. What will people think? Oh, you know, this, that, and the other. Inner, you know, the thoughts start taking over. So, yeah, yeah, I love that. I love that. So, you know, obviously, you know, being a dancer, you move so um, so beautifully in your own body with such ease and conviction have you have you always had that relationship with your body
1: no definitely not okay I've always been been a mover Mm -hmm. I I was in gymnastics and swimming from a very young age so I always um kind of enjoyed moving and being athletic um But the funny thing was, is that when I started dancing, when I started and I always loved to dance, I would always dance, have dance parties with my friends. So on that level. Yeah. But when I first got into belly dancing, I was very awkward. I was very I had no idea what I was doing. I was like, always felt very awkward. And even I always tell this story to my students when they get discouraged, Um, maybe. 10 years after, when I started becoming professional and doing more professional gigs, I ran into a former peer of mine who was in class with me with the same teacher. And she was like, I'm sure maybe she meant it as a compliment. It was like almost like an underhanded compliment. She seemed shocked in a way to where she was like agitated almost that I was having some success. Because she literally said to me, like, what did you do? Like, she thought there was a formula. Like, she didn't think it had anything to do with me being specifically talented or good. It was like, what did you do? Who did you study with? You must have done something because you always just blended into the woodwork in class. And, you know, not to be mean, but I always thought it would have been this person that would have gotten famous because they were really good. You just weren't that good. (laughs) Yeah. Wow. I was like, wow. Okay. Thanks. Susan. Wow. Susan. I'm
0: flawed. I'm
1: afraid to say it. Susan tried to that? throw my ass under the bus.
0: I know. OMG. So okay. I just need to let that marinate for a bit. <laughs> so um okay, wow. So are you truly saying that you weren't very good? Or was it like you must have had natural rhythm? Um, I you talked about natural you know, rhythm.
1: About me, what's true about me is I'm a very late bloomer in everything <laughs> I do, and I do surprise people because even as a kid, I remember that, like, people being like, "What? How did you all of a sudden get good at this?" Because, like, I just have a long learning curve. That's true about me. It takes me longer, I think, than most people to learn something, but once I get it, it is like blast off into the universe from right. that moment. But is that your hard work ethic as well? Do you, is that Does that come with a work ethic? I think probably there's some truth to that. I think persistence, right? Like if yeah. you persist with something, even when somebody or people around you are kind of reflecting back to you that maybe this isn't your thing and you might not be good at this or... Um, You know, I love learning. That's the truth about me. So as I said, belly dance kept presenting me with challenges that I was like, even though it was hard and I could see I wasn't necessarily getting it, maybe I wasn't necessarily great at it. I loved that challenge in that point in my life. It was really exciting to me. It was fun Mm. to me to get to learn my body as a woman, as a new woman, you know, 18, 19, discovering what it meant to be a woman having the backdrop of this dance to help me with that. Wow. um, That I never gave up on it. And then all of a sudden things started to click and it was like a quickening, you know, it was literally a quickening. It was like, it took me five, six years for things to start to click. And then when they did start to click I was able to accomplish in weeks and months
0: what used to maybe
1: take me years.
0: Right. So what was that turning point between kind of being awkward and feeling really good and sexy in your own body? Like what happened?
1: I think just little bits of success, right? Like taking a move that I was really struggling with and all of a sudden it clicked. And it does do that. I tell my students that all the time, I'm like, I promise you there's going to come a point where it's just going to click and you're going to be in shock about it. You're going to be like, Oh my God, I just did it. And I think you start to collect enough of those. You start to collect enough of those like little successes where it, it gives you that motivation to keep going. And then you start to put them together in a little dance or a little combination. And it just gives you a ton of confidence to where you want to keep doing it. And you want to keep learning more and you see it on your body and you recognize how cool it is you know it's kind of like yeah. not everybody can do that right just like not everybody can do rocket science and not everybody can speak five languages not everybody can dance and not everybody can belly dance you know yes. it's like yeah i'm doing this thing it's cool and it makes me different and it makes me unique and i like that
0: it's beautiful it's so beautiful but the thing is i think with you Sadie there's like Like when I watch you dance, it's, I don't know how to uh, articulate this, but there's something really, it's super, super feminine, of course, but there's something matriarchal about it too. Like with you, like there's something about your energy. There's just something so mature about the way you dance. I don't know if that even makes sense like well, thank you. I, yeah I, that, that like there's wisdom really in your dancing yeah i feel like there's wisdom there
1: yeah i've heard that before and that just makes me so happy to hear honestly you know i can't remember if it was was it martha graham or somebody you know some famous dancer once said you know if i could say it with my words i wouldn't have to dance it and it's so true because yeah i I feel like I'm not the best communicator always with my words. I'm getting better as I get older, but here's the truth about me. And I don't mean that I'm going to do this, but this is honest to gosh, truth for me. I could get up in front of an audience of a million people and stand there naked before I could get up in an audience in front of a million people and speak. I have always had like a major fear of public speaking and I have not felt the same about my dancing. I mean, I, I, I did go through a shy period and I do always get nervous when I dance. But for me, there is some confidence that I just have around moving my body in front mm-hmm. of a group of people versus um, speaking.
0: Wow. So,
1: you know, I, I don't know what that is, but I do feel like I can communicate better that way.
0: Yeah, I feel like it's 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 like musicians, isn't it? It's like someone, um, it's it's almost like an outlet for how you feel and how you think, and it comes through the dance, it comes through the music, and uh, yeah, I, f- I feel that when I see you dance, I feel your soul soul is very much present. Because sometimes there is a difference with dancers. I think sometimes you can be. I've always said this: you can be technically amazing, but it's that when you evoke emotion in someone, I think that's what makes a great dancer is when you make yeah. someone feel something. And I think like, that's what I like when I watch you, I feel something and that's what I love. And I, I remember I was having um, one-to-one classes with uh, a teacher when I was still in London. And she said that you, 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 you can do it, but there's something blocked in you. Like there's something emotionally blocked in you. And I wasn't giving... I I, I felt like I wasn't giving all of me to the dance. And it's actually when I started doing a lot more inner work on myself and I started working through and healing that I started becoming freer in my body. And I, and, 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 and so, and that's, I guess what I see in you is that freedom, that full freedom.
1: Yeah. That's so beautiful. Thank you for sharing all of that, your experience and, I can, I, I do. I think there's something to that too, because I, we all humans, we all have blockages, right? Mm -hmm. We all have ways that we protect ourselves Mm -hmm. and that we don't want to be completely vulnerable to be hurt by others. You know, I certainly have my share of all of that. I still at 43 years old struggle in relationship and all of that stuff. But for me, for whatever reason, dancing is the outlet for me that I just feel super, comfortable expressing myself. Um again, not to say that it's been easy to present it publicly always, but when I tap into it in my own space, it's net it's ne- it's like it's just like yeah, plugging in, right? Like yeah. I'm plugging in my thing here, you know, which yes. I know most people can relate. There's something that they do in their lives where they can usually feel that, right?
0: Yes. Um,
1: and for me it's dance, definitely.
0: Beautiful. Um so, you know, for people who maybe don't have a very kind of healthy or easy relationship with their body, how how do we regain that sovereignty kind of over our, over our own body and therefore our beauty, you know? Yeah.
1: Well, I can say that being a teacher and working with so many students over the course of the last 15 years um, you know, self-hate is a real thing. Mm -hmm. Negative self-talk is a real thing. Uh, self-deprecation is a real thing. And we are so much harder on ourselves than anybody else ever will be. Yeah. Um, um, and I mean, as a teacher, the only number one thing I ever want for my student is to have just even a glimmer or a moment of when they can feel allowed to be in their body without Mm -hmm. any judgments, without, any of the expectation that comes from the outside world, but that we also put on ourselves. And I think that's the biggest lesson in life is, you know, we don't have control of a lot of things. And sometimes we don't even have control of our body. So we never know what background a person is coming from, but what we do usually have some control over is our thought process. So for me, it always starts there where I tell students, you know, you have to learn how to flip the negative self-talk, especially find a safe space. You know, I once remember yeah. a yoga teacher said something that was so simple, but I just felt so safe. And I was in yoga and she had mentioned that we were like in a Shavasana or something laying on the floor. She's like, just feel the floor, that how the floor is there for you. You can just surrender to the floor. The floor mm. is holding you. You are safe in this moment. You are safe here you belong here. And she just kept saying these things where I was like, I never felt that before. Yes, I never felt that invitation to just feel like I was really safe and allowed to be somewhere. Yes, Um, And so I try to tell students that first and foremost, that when you begin a practice, whether it's in your home or even in a classroom, if somebody else doesn't give you that invitation to feel safe in your body and in the space, do your own little ritual real quick. That's like, okay, inhale, exhale. I'm here. I made it to the studio uh, with my friends and my teacher and I'm here and I'm safe. And this is my hour to give to myself and to my body. Yeah. Don't need to be in competition with anybody around me. I don't even need to be in competition with myself. If I don't show up as well as I did yesterday, that's okay. Every day is a new day it's just a lot of retraining your brain to um, it's training yourself how to talk to yourself, just like in the way that you would want to talk to a child.
0: Yeah. You know, you would I, also feel, I also feel belly dance is a great way to improve your relationship with your body though, as well, yeah. like uniquely um, just because of how, how it makes you feel when you start kind of seeing what your body can do yeah you know because you surprise yourself you're like wow you know I didn't know my own body was even capable of doing that and I think that's what you I think when you see you must see it with students like when students start progressing they they start you know blossoming and they start um becoming more confident because of of that you know
1: exactly yeah and that's it it's like Sticking with it long enough to get collect those little successes over and over that continues to build your confidence. Because honestly, facing yourself in the mirror, I used to, I had a student once who told me she started to do private classes with me and she came to me and she said, I want you to teach me how to look at myself in the mirror. She's like, I can't even look at myself in the mirror. She's like, I can't make eye contact with myself. So it's really hard for me to come to class. And let alone look at my stomach, but she's like, I definitely can't look at my eyes. I'm just so ashamed of myself in every way. And it just was, it just broke my heart. Oh,
0: it's
1: so sad, but you know what? The, the beautiful thing about it was we worked with it and we worked with her and it just started with, for her, I think, having me there and reflecting back to her, how beautiful I thought she was
0: yes,
1: and how amazing and proud of her. I was that she was even taking these steps to do that. Cause most people, I can't say most, but a lot of people might have that same thought and that same feeling, and they'll never be brave enough to say, I want to change that. And I want to love yes. myself. So it was that first step that she took to say that, I see the way that you're able to look at yourself in the mirror and I want to be able to do
0: that.
1: Yes. So that was where we started. It was really with like this kind of psychological retraining of our, our thought process. So what it comes down to then is I think we all know how we could talk to ourselves better, but it's just like training your body athletically. As soon as the negative thought comes in, you just shut Mm. it down just like a meditation. You don't try to judge it and say, I'm having this horrible, just let it go. Okay. I know I'm really used to letting these negative thoughts dominate my brain and I'm just going to let it go. And I'm going to replace it with a nice thought. Okay. The last thought just told me I'm hideous and I'm, my stomach looks like crap and Okay, what's the next thought going to be? I'm here. I yeah. showed up for myself. What an incredible thing! I'm always giving to others. I'm always worried about others. For this moment, I'm going to give to myself, and I'm going to worry about myself. And then you can start to build that up with, um, you know, pick the things about yourself that you do like. What? Maybe it's your hair. Maybe it's your eyelashes. Mm. You know, maybe it's um, this, that, and then we can start to play around with tweaking things like a photo shoot.
0: Right? Ooh. Like a
1: photo shoot, I go and I do photo shoots and I'll take a thousand photos and out of a thousand photos, I'm lucky of 20 of them I like. And then out of those 20, there's literally going to be two or three that are stellar. Right. That is absolute truth. Right. So I, thank you. You're
0: normal, Sadie. You're like everyone else. <laughs> <Yes>. And so, <laughs> I
1: don't, I don't love looking at every single part of myself all the time. But that's the cool thing about dancing. It's like a moving photo shoot. Like, oh, I can hit yes. this angle and I can use this move and I can
0: yes. smile
1: here and I can just enjoy. And honestly, that's what other people enjoy the most is when we enjoy that moment. Yes. as well. They're Absolutely. much less looking at the shape of your stomach or how short or long your legs are or this. They're more looking at your overall presence and your joy. Yes,
0: and the joy. And
1: so when you yes. can tap into that, um, you know, again, think about kids, think about animals. Um, you know, I look at my own son and the people that he gravitates towards. It has nothing to do with looks or beauty. It has to do with energy. You know, absolutely. So, you know, my 88 year old grandma is missing an eye and my son gravitates towards her because... <laughs> And her missing eye can look a little scary. He even said that before, but he (laughs) loves being near her because she has that patriarchal, loving, giving energy. Yeah. And I feel the same way about her. But I think people need to recognize that, yeah, we're attracted to beauty, but um, we're also really drawn and attracted to energy.
0: 100%. Absolutely. And actually, that's something that I was going to ask you is that, you know, when... When you dance, like when I dance, I feel like it gives me a connection to my kind of higher self. And I, I've always like found it quite difficult to explain to others, but how can you relate to that? Is it a spiritual kind of experience for you?
1: Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you know, I, I consider myself for sure a spiritual person and you know, open to the mysteries of life and not at all yeah. acting like I have any clue what any of that could be or means, you know, as I experience that through my five senses and my bodysuit, you know. Yeah. Um but even if we bring it back to science and what they call the um the zone, right? Mm-hmm. When um when athletes get into what they call the zone. Yeah now, this is a scientifically proven phenomenon now that uh higher states of altered consciousness through through high intensity um, athletic performance, as well as dance, as well as the arts. It has an impact on our flow state that's called a flow state um, mm. and how we experience time and reality and, and all that stuff. So when you talk to like athletes after they get in or out of the zone or artists after they get in or out of the zone, writers after they get in or out of the zone, um, they all have similar things to report back. It's like, you're just, it's like, it's like divine chant. Like for writers, a lot of times they'll say like, I don't even feel like I'm writing. Yes. Not (laughs) even me writing. I have literally experienced moments where I like got off the stage and I, and I prayed to these belly dance. I'm like, I don't know what belly dance goddess just came through me, but thank you. And please do it again. Really? What, What, what do you mean? Can you talk about that in a bit more detail? (laughs) It's just, I can't even believe myself, you know, like I got off the stage and I, and it wasn't that I was like, Oh, I was the best. I was so amazing. It wasn't that kind of a feeling. It was like, I got off and I was like, what just happened? Like I was in another place. I was in another room. I was so tapped in. I was so dialed in. I was so in tune with myself and the life and the music and It felt like I had this access to some other place where I take information or something and I was able to do stuff that I'm not always able to do. Wow. I don't know what that is. I don't know what that is either, but I just know I've experienced it and I've learned to trust it a little bit more now. And I've learned to almost find ways to manipulate it as well. Like that Mm -hmm. whole tapping into the zone, tapping into the flow state. I can't make it happen on command, but it happens a lot more now that I trust that process and I know it's available to me.
0: Amazing. Amazing. I've been speaking to, I've got another guest on the podcast who's, who's a coach and we talk about this channeling and yeah. And, and actually um, when something comes through you rather than, you know, from you, it just, it comes through you. I think that's so powerful. I need to experience this because <laughs> I feel like everyone else is experiencing it around me. And I'm like, what are you talking about? Because I've not felt it that intensely. Like I've not, never had an experience that intensely. Um, but I think what's fascinating is that people do this and they use uh, external sources to access that higher dimension and you can do it. From actual creativity and arts and various other things, which is so beautiful.
1: Yeah. No, really. Yeah. And for me, it's also coupled with other things that I'm really um enjoy and help me get there's, like you said, for me it can be poetry. One of my favorite mm-hmm. poets is Bruni, and actually my son is named after him.
0: Yes. <laughs>
1: and, I have a little book here I sit here at night next to my fireplace and I Beautiful. read poems and I just you know just try to allow my mind and my imagination to go and you know that's so cool that we can go back in time through other artists and ima- be like mm. wow they were they were trying to understand the same incredible journey <laughs> that we're all on to yeah. you know Um, but yeah, there's definitely something, um, I, I guess I've stopped trying to explain it or define it and even explain it to others because it is so personal and it is. So, um, I think every human can do it. I just think it's such a mysterious, almost mystical experience. I, I'm not good at explaining how that happens. Like I said, I'm still fine tuning Mm. how to continue to get there myself on a more regular basis. And and I don't have control over it for sure. But there does seem to be that word surrender that comes up a lot from other people as well. When you surrender more and you get out of that, like, I have to get on stage and I have to do this one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, turn this way, make sure I smile over (laughs) there. The more that i'm in that frame of mind um the less access i have to
0: right. that state
1: or that mystical state more that i can kind of take a deep breath inhale exhale before i go on the stage and on that exhale i literally let it all go and i say this is where i'm at right now i have done the best that i could do up to this point i can't control anything more from here i can't be better than i am right now all i can do is go on that stage and mm. be the best version of me in this present moment and enjoy that actually, instead of beating myself up on stage because I wish I was better.
0: Yeah. I love that. I love that. It's almost like you're no longer in the head. You're just in the body. You know, you're no longer in the mind, in the thinking mind. You're just in the body. You're just tapped in. I love that. Yeah,
1: exactly. You're letting that muscle memory take over. You're letting your intuition guide you. You're letting yourself be in that present moment. It is a meditation.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: And, and it sounds so similar to what so many other, again, athletes and even writers and all of them yep. experience. That I think we're all kind of tapping into a similar flow, right? It's just mm.
0: it's a flow. Yeah. So Sadie, can we briefly talk about? So we've talked about Sadie the dancer. Can we talk about Sadie the businesswoman? Because you have created something magical. I mean, I've signed up to it this year. Um, how? So tell us about the business journey, because I think a lot of creatives and they're going to be creatives who are going to be listening to this struggle with that business side. Like, oh, I'm not good at business. Business is not, you know, who I am. I'm a creative and it's almost that becomes part of your identity. So how have you uh, talk about that? Can you talk about that journey a little bit?
1: Yeah. Wow. It's been an interesting journey. I think I was, I think I feel blessed that from a very early on point, I don't know if I'm maybe naturally inclined to wanting to be an entrepreneur like I don't work well for others I mean I just have always kind of like if I've ever had a job where I have a boss I've just really been miserable in that experience yes. so I've always had jobs where I kind of was my own boss so right. I was a bartender for a while yes I had a boss but you know you're kind of on your own for the shift you know what I mean yes. like unless you really mess up nobody's coming to bark down your throat yeah um you know I was a real estate agent so I had my own business doing real estate. So I've always had jobs where I was in control of my hours and my shifts. So I kind of just have that personality to want to be that way. Right. Um, but I learned from a very young age with the belly dancing, especially as I decided to, because I left real estate as a business to become a belly dancer. And I knew I was taking a huge pay cut and I did, mm-hmm. but I, I refuse to buy into the um, starving artist mindset. I always hated that. I have always yeah. been in artistic circles my whole life yes. as well. And a lot of artist friends who kind of have really always just, I don't know, bought into the whole starving artist thing. And I always, it was always such a turnoff to me. I'm mm. like, why do we have to like believe in that to be an yes. artist? No. Uh, why can't we be both? Yeah, why can't we be both? Why can't we find ways, creative ways? And so and that's exactly what I did. So I want I, I I wanted to make money doing what I love to do. So I found that I was able to make money through teaching and then performing. I would go around to venues and literally kind of be, hey, you guys should have a belly dancer in here. You guys should have belly dancing. And I did that to a lot of places here in Colorado and made wow. a lot of opportunities for myself and my students. Wow and um i kind of learned that from my teacher join because like i said she had an ad on the radio so she was very inspiring she was very Uh. proactive about getting her business out there so um i don't know it's kind of come natural to me so i can't even say that i've struggled with that a lot
0: but um,
1: i did go through a period of time where i realized i was dedicating more time to my business side than the creative side. And that started to really get me down. Right. So I noticed I was spending more time behind the computer answering emails and doing all this like behind the scenes stuff than I was actually dancing. And then that started to really kind of like get to me to where I was like, OK, this is not what I wanted from this. I, I wanted no. to be a dancer because I want to dance, not because yeah. I want to be behind the screen. Um. So it has taken a very long time to kind of streamline that process to where I feel like I'm dancing more and being more creative than I am, but there's still a lot that goes into it. And I think just at the end of the day, it comes always back to gratitude for me that I'm like, well, I'm running my own business, you know, and um, the truth is I'd probably work less hours. And i might even get paid the same or maybe even better if i worked a job somewhere else for somebody else i don't know but i just i just love the freedom and the flexibility the i have so yeah. for me that's the trade-off um my son has never had to go to daycare i've always been able to to be with him and take care of him and yes it means i work nights and i have to sleep less sometimes when he's in bed and things like that but um I like that. It's, it's a grind a little bit and it's a little bit of a hustle, but for me, I enjoy it. And, um, the last piece I would say is, man, you can learn anything. You can learn how to be an incredible business person and entrepreneur online. Like you yeah. don't even have to go to school for that. I mean, I'll just share a couple things I've done. I don't know if anybody knows Lewis house, but, oh, yeah. um, he was one of the people that really shifted my mindset as well. Mm-hmm. I started following him like 5 or 6 years ago on YouTube and I was like I like this guy. I like this guy's positivity and his problem solving. He yeah. doesn't whine. He does, he just problem solves and that's how I am too. I'm very much a problem solver and I joined his um inner circle, which is like a business kind of coaching monthly thing. And I joined that and I have learned so much from him just in terms of how to handle social media and email marketing. And, um, yeah, I just, and to me now, I've really, once again, embraced that. It's also a learning journey to be a business person. You don't just go to school and all of a sudden, you know, everything we, the world is changing so fast that if you can't get excited, about learning business and how to be a good business person, it's probably not for you. You're probably better off punching and punching out and then just doing your art as a hobby, which is a totally Mm -hmm. awesome thing to do as well. You just have to kind of decide in which way are you better able to be an artist?
0: Yeah. Yeah, Doing it as a
1: hobby or doing it as a business?
0: Yeah, I think the thing is, it is um, very much like the creative journey. The business journey is very... I think when you've got a um, heart-led, soul-led business, you have to y- there's there's twists and turns to that, just as much probably as there are in the creative journey, ups and downs. And you have to be just so committed, don't you? You just have to be so yeah. committed to that process and want it yeah. that bad and be hungry for it to, but yeah.
1: Absolutely. Just, and you really do, it's like <clears throat> comes a little bit of a cliche when you listen to like interviews or podcasts with like business people and stuff like that. They all kind of say the same thing, which is get really comfortable with failure. And you're kind of like, what does that even mean? But it's true. Like, I mean, I think you were referring to my website rocks online and I'll just be completely open and honest for your listeners that when I started rocks online, I went through three versions of the rocks online website before we got to the one that we're doing now and i lost twenty thousand dollars of my own savings doing that i hired two web developers who built me basically a bunk website to the tune of twenty thousand dollars that i had to scrap and completely start over i could have sued them i decided not to sue them because it wasn't worth my time i wanted to put that time and energy into moving forward. And there was a guardian angel who stepped into my life, a beautiful woman named Lindsay, shout out Lindsay, if she's listening, (laughs) Um, a genius, absolute genius. And we, she, we told her what was happening. And she goes, I can help you build your website for $2,000 in two months. And she did it just because she could not because uh, she did that because she believed in our vision and what I was doing. And she was incredible. She went to Egypt with me then and did some cool stuff. We did some cool stuff together. She saved my butt. Um, If it wasn't for her. And it wasn't for me having the mindset and the attitude to stay open to what's, how do I solve this problem instead of I'm going to be jaded and bitter and I'm going to go sue these people. Mm. No, I said, leave that behind. I'm moving forward, problem solving. I'm going to believe there's going to be a solution. And this angel literally showed up and did in two months for a 10th of what it took those people to do two years and $20,000. Oh, wow. Oh, yeah. two years. And two years they built that site. $20,000 was the cost. And at the end of it, they literally like, were like, I'm sorry, we can't do what you're asking us to do. Um, we have nothing.
0: <laughs> so, wow. Yeah. But I you know what, that's so powerful. Your story is so powerful um, with regards to failure. And just the fact that you invested, you know, that that, that was your hopes and your dreams, you know, yeah. and you invested all that and then you didn't give up. You didn't give up. You didn't say, oh. right, that's it. I can't do this anymore. You got back up again and you carried on. And I think that's the bit that people don't see, you know, like behind the yeah. scenes. like people don't see that part of what it takes to make your dreams a reality. I mean, the rewards are ridiculously high, but there's a lot of... Uh, there's a lot of uh, graft and, yeah, hardships. Yeah, and there. to me, it is, it's
1: its is—it's—it's um, so much analogous with dance. Life is a dance, yes. and if you just get up and you just move your feet and you just take it one step at a time, you're going to learn how to dance. Yes. If you just get up and you just take one step in front of the other and you just keep moving, you are going to accomplish something. It's impossible not to.
0: I absolutely love that that that's that's the best piece of advice best piece of advice so what would you say to someone who's never belly danced before
1: I would just say just do it like uh, obviously if you've never belly danced before go look at a video of me or some other belly dancer if it speaks to you and you're like wow that's kind of neat I want to check that out um find a class uh get online and take a Class online. I offer classes online. Um, I mean, obviously, I cannot say enough amazing things about it. I'm 25 years in. My health is is you know knock on wood at the moment for 43 years old. I have incredible health, and I attribute a lot of that to my dancing. Um, I just keep being excited by life because of what dancing and belly dancing has taught me. Um, I just cannot think of a better way, like we started this conversation of how are you going to decorate your atmosphere in your home because it impacts the quality of your life. I cannot imagine having a better backdrop for life than to be a dancer. So whether that's being a hobbyist, I mean, most people are not going to be professional dancers. I started out as a hobbyist for seven, eight years, and I loved it that way. And you know what, if my dance career ended in five years from now, I will still be a hobbyist dancer. Mm. I will dance every day of my life, whether it's in the kitchen with my son, just goofing around. Um, I will always dance. I just can't say enough incredible things about it. And I'd also say to people like who are getting older, um, a lot of people think that age is a limitation on dancing. And that's so not true. And yeah. I would just encourage anybody, as your kids grow up, and you find yourself with more time than you had before, that's actually the perfect time to start dancing. Um, you know, and, and belly dance is accessible to men and women, it just so happens that more women are um, interested in it than, than men. So as a woman, I don't know that there's too many things out there that would bring you more joy and happiness and acceptance and self-love than belly dancing. And then the next thing I would say is grab your partner, your spouse. Maybe you guys raised kids for the last 20 years. You don't even hardly know who you guys are as a couple anymore. Go get into some salsa classes or something. Oh, I love that. I mean, I just... Dancers are the coolest. Dancers are literally the coolest people. If I had to pick just one group of people to hang out with for the rest of my life, it would be dancers. <laughs> I,
0: the way love that. Yeah. I love that. I'm going to take that a piece of advice. I'm just yeah. going to find loads of dancers and hang out with them. <laughs> Do it
1: because it's so much fun. And you know what? When stuff gets rough and life gets tough, dancers are going to be like, screw it. Let's just, yeah, let's
0: the- just do dance, man. Yeah. <laughs> in fact, that's what I said to a friend uh, of mine a, a few days ago. I said, let's just dance our way through 2021. Let's just do that, I <laughs> forget everything exactly. else. But yeah, exactly. no, it's so joyful. So um, Sadie, how can people find out about you? Of course, we've mentioned Racks Online, but you can give us more details. Um, how can they join your classes? Yeah, give us more details. Yeah, the
1: best place to find me right now is
0: my online school, which is Rocks Online,
1: R-A-Q-S Online. Rocks means dance in Arabic, so raqsonline.com. That's the best place to stay in touch with me. We offer a free week trial. Um, Also, for your listeners, if they want to get 50% off their first month, they can use uh, code SHIMMY, all lowercase, S-H-I-M-M-Y we currently have like 250 classes up there and the library is growing and the cool thing about rocks online is it's not just belly dance we are uh really our vision is to become one of the biggest online hubs for world dance yes. and fitness so and we bring dancers from source to teach from you know bring their lineage and their traditions from source so our brazilian uh samba teacher is from brazil our uh, we just brought in um Esra Warda, who's oh, Algerian no and she brought some North African stuff we've got Lebanese Simon yeah. is up, in his <laughs> Lebanese dance we have Glenda who's who is a Polynesian dancer from source we have um we also do fitness classes so we have a bunch of fitness classes with myself and Georgia and we're going to be bringing in more we have yoga with Anna who is in is my personal favorite because I found her through her yoga classes. And she was the first yoga teacher that really just got me dialed in on such a level that it changed my yoga practice. So I felt so in love with her that I was like, you're coming to rocks online. (laughs) Um, Yeah, and we are right now speaking to a couple other amazing contributors. We have a couple people from Egypt on there and we want to keep adding more content from the Egyptians. So yeah, we're really looking to continue to expand the world dance vocabulary. We just, I just love dance and I just think, like I
0: said, dancers are the coolest. It's amazing because I joined it this year and it's so amazing. I love it. In fact, I do share it on my Instagram stories actually (laughs) like in the morning. So yeah. Yeah, I do. I love it. I love it. So thank you so much, Sadie.
1: Oh, thank you so much. This has been like a really fun conversation.
0: Yeah, it's been awesome. It's been amazing to have you finally. I've admired this woman for a long time and you are my girl crush. So yeah. Really? If I, one of my friends said to me, How are you going to contain yourself? I said, I'm not. I said, no, there's no, no plan I'm to contain. completely indulge in yeah. I said, That's not my ethos. Is, my ethos is not to contain myself. So. Exactly.
1: I'm going to have to hit you up for some fashion advice. That is one area that I definitely oh, love. Love it. Um, my boyfriend is always um, laughing at me at my fashion sense because really? I'm a fashion girl. I'm a country girl. I'm from the country. I never really learned how to be a fashionista. The only thing I'm sort of good at is my costumes, but.
0: Your costumes are amazing. I wouldn't say I'm a fashionista. I'm more kind of a bit of a classic dresser, but I love clothes and I love, I love, I love beauty, everything, interiors, clothes, fragrance.
1: Yeah, well, your whole set behind you (laughs) and your Is it a kimono you're wearing? Yeah, it's like
0: a dress, yeah.
1: Yeah, it's gorgeous. So I see that. I'm going to have to hire you for a consultation. (laughs)
0: Let's do it, Sadie. Let's do it. Maybe I could have some dance classes and we could do a swap.
1: (laughs) We could do a trade. And for those of you who don't see you, I mean, you do. You look stunning and gorgeous. And. I would love to get some of that sense going on because nobody would know what I do in the real world. And maybe I like it that way, but sometimes I go to the store and I'm like so incognito because I don't wear makeup. But I got like I got sweatpants on right now, you know. I oh, need to, but you know, a time and a place for that. But there's also a time and a place for what you got going on over there. <laughs>
0: I well to I'm gonna I, I'm just gonna sit with that now so yes thank you so much Sadie thank you so much this was so fun if you enjoyed the episode please subscribe rate and review and to keep up to date with all of our latest news follow our page the trailblazers journey on instagram until next time